Welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast about Jesus, His Word, and our joy in following Him. I'm Amy Spreeman. And I'm Michelle Leslie. And Amy, tonight we're going to deal with a topic that I'm sure neither of us know anything about— Anger. I mean, you never get angry, right, Amy? Well, no, I don't. Do you? I, I, this is going to be a pretty short <laughs> no. program. Then. <laughs> no. Yes. Well, yeah. I'm sure we both just know it all about never getting angry and oh, always staying yeah. calm, right? Yeah. Please, please don't look up our husbands and ask them because the, I'm sure That's they'll have right. a different story to tell. But, you know, ladies, we all get angry from time to time. And for most of us, our anger is usually sinful, unfortunately. But some Christians don't realize that not all anger is sinful, and this can be especially challenging for Christian women. So let's take a look at anger tonight and see what the Bible has to say about it. Yeah. Listeners, do you ever get the sense that anger is a problem in the church these days? I mean, it's it's more apparent if you're on social media, but even if yeah. you're not, you've probably seen Christians acting in anger in your church Christian groups that you belong to, maybe even among your Christian family and friends. In the evangelical social construct that today's Christian women have built and immersed themselves in, where being nice is the highest attribute we can attain to, anger, any anger whatsoever, is usually seen as sin. We see it as the opposite of the sweet and effervescent and always positive, don't rock the boat church ladies that we're supposed to be. But that's not always the case. That's true. The problem with anger in the church is not anger itself, but that Christians get angry about the wrong things instead of the right things. And we act on that anger too, sometimes even anger over the right things in the wrong way. There are so many things Christians should be angry about. I know that sounds strange, but let us explain. If Christians got angry about the things we're supposed to get angry about and acted on that anger in a biblical way, the church would be really be better off. I, and I know that that yeah. just doesn't even, it sounds counterproductive here, but we'd also be more Christ-like for it. But what are the right and godly reasons for getting angry and then acting on that anger? Well, Amy, let's start with this. Anger is an attribute of God. What? God gets angry? I mean, I thought God was a God <laughs> of love. How could he get angry, right? Because yeah. God's anger is holy righteous anger. That's how he can get angry. No character trait God exhibits can ever be considered intrinsically sinful because God is holy and perfect. God displays anger numerous times in the Bible, and yet we know that God is without sin. Therefore, we know that the emotion of anger itself is not a sin. It can't be, or that would make God a sinner, and by definition, not God. God's anger demonstrates for us that there are times and situations in which anger is holy and good, and that there are godly ways to act on that anger. Yeah, that's right. And we should be angry about the same things that anger God. So let's take a look at scripture at a few times when God got angry. We're going to start with Deuteronomy 31, and we'll go to verses 16 through 18. And it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. Then this people, Israel, will rise and whore after the foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering, and they will forsake me and break my covenant that I have made with them. 
then my anger will be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them and hide my face from them, and they will be devoured because of all the evil that they have done, because they have turned to other gods. So they have turned to other gods. That's idolatry. When God's people turn away from him to worship false gods, even false gods that they all call Jesus, cough, cough, Jesus calling, uh, who aren't anything like the Jesus in scripture, that should make us angry. Yeah, Amy, it should. And another example of God's anger is in 2 Samuel 6, which is the story of Uzzah. David and his army have just defeated the Philistines and recaptured the Ark of the Covenant. And they're taking it back home on this shiny new ox cart. And verses six and seven tell us this. Uzzah put out his hand to the Ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen stumbled. So Uzzah's trying to keep the Ark from falling off this ox cart. Verse seven. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah and God struck him down there because of his error. And he died there beside the Ark of God. So, wow, I mean, God's anger seems totally capricious there, right? Well, not if you know your backstory. God had commanded that the ark be designed with these little loops on the side, you know, that you could stick poles through. And that's what the Levites were supposed to do. They were supposed to stick poles through these loops and carry the ark on the poles. Way back in Numbers 4, God gave them elaborate instructions on how to cover up and carry the furnishings of the tabernacle whenever they had to be moved. And he even told them they must not touch the holy things lest they die. Well, what was the big deal, you might be wondering? I mean, what difference does it make how the ark was transported? Well, yeah, that's probably what Uzzah and David were thinking, too, when they put the the ox on the, the ark on the ox cart in the first place. You know, what's the big deal? Well, God showed them exactly what the big deal was. They were supposed to treat those items as holy because God is holy. And they literally dragged God's holiness through the mud. God is jealous for his name and for his holiness. And when his pe- His own people treat him like he's cheap and common, it makes him angry. And it should make us angry, too. Yeah, the Lord is also angry with his enemies. Nahum 1 says, The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire." The Lord is slow to anger, very slow. He exercises great patience and long-suffering with pagans who are at enmity with him. But one day, the time of his patience will be over, and he will justly and rightly pour out his wrath on all of his enemies who did not repent and surrender to Christ. Uh, You recall in Revelation 6, that talks about the wrath of the Lamb, and they're going to curse him as he does it. God is angry with his enemies. It is right and good for us to be angry over the sin of God's enemies. But listeners, we would challenge you to go read Revelation 16. Read about the horrors of the seven bowls of wrath that God is going to pour out on his enemies one day. 
and let that create an urgency in you to share the gospel with them now, right now, before the day of judgment comes. Show them that same compassion that Christ showed you on the cross when you were his enemy. Romans 5.10 says, While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son. That is such an amazing verse, Michelle. God is angry with Mm -hmm. sin, and we should be too. That's right, Amy. Anger is one of God's attributes. So we know, like we said before, that anger itself is not intrinsically sinful because God cannot sin. When we think about anger, we also need to keep in mind the Imago Dei. All people are made in the image of God. We, as God's creation, reflect, albeit dimly and sinfully, our creator. Genesis 1, 26 through 27 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. No one has to teach us how to feel anger or love or justice. Those things are just there, hardwired into us from from the womb, simply because we're image bearers. Our sin nature is where the train jumps the tracks with those attributes, because sin causes us to apply those attributes to the wrong objects, for example, loving an idol, and to express those attributes in wrong ways, for example, using anger to express vengeance or abuse. But when we get angry about the same things that God gets angry about and we act on that anger in a godly way, that's when we're reflecting the image of God in which he created us. So anger is not intrinsically sinful because it's an attribute of God, and it isn't intrinsically sinful in us either because we are made in the image of God. Yeah, Michelle, earlier you were joking a little bit when you said, God gets angry? I thought God was a God of love. And of course, we hear that a lot in the so-called seeker-sensitive mind. Model. Uh, but that's a very important point to consider about God's attributes, especially when we're thinking about his anger. God is simultaneously perfect in love, power, wrath, kindness, compassion, anger, justice, mercy, grace, patience, and all of his other attributes. When we see God pouring out his wrath, that doesn't mean his attributes of love and compassion have disappeared. And when God executes judgment, that doesn't mean he has ceased to be a merciful and patient God either. All of God's attributes are 100% present and potent at all times. And though filtered through our sinful flesh, the same is true for Christians. Expressing godly anger in a godly way does not cancel out the fact that you are also loving, kind, patient, peaceful, or joyful. God created us to reflect his nature by simultaneously exhibiting his attributes in a godly way. That's right. So how can we know whether we're getting angry over the right things or the wrong things? As we've said, it's right and good to be angry over the things that anger God. Idolatry, the defaming of his name, false doctrine, sin in the church, people who harm or take advantage of the innocent and vulnerable dishonesty, cruelty, deception, the failure to do what is right. First and foremost, we should be angry at these sins when we see them in our own hearts and lives. But it's also biblically appropriate to be angry when others perpetrate these sins. But we may not be angry for sinful reasons, such as 
pride or selfishness, impatience, self-righteousness, inflexibility, greed, hate, bigotry, lust, and personal preferences. Yeah, that's right, Michelle. We know that those are sinful reasons for getting angry because God doesn't get angry for those reasons, and also because the Bible clearly instructs us about sinful anger. In Matthew 5, uh, verses 21 through 22, Jesus said, You have heard it said that to those of old you should not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Sinful anger is a pretty serious thing to God, and it comes with some very serious consequences. James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 tell us, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. And Proverbs twenty nine twenty two says, a man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. First Timothy 2.8 says, I desire then in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. God doesn't want us to be angry and quarreling with our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's caused by our unfulfilled passions, our sinful desires raging inside of us, and it causes us to sin. We need to be prayerful and keep our focus on Jesus instead. Yeah, and when we do, we'll have a much more biblical view of anger. A while back on social media, I mentioned an incident in which a male member of a certain church sinfully took advantage of several female members of that church. Without exception, every Christian woman, and many of the men as well, who commented on the incident made this this statement or some variation of it. They said, that's so sad. Well, there are many aspects of a sinful situation over which it's appropriate to feel sad. It was right to feel sad for this man's completely innocent wife and children, as well as his victims and the church who all suffered as a result of his sin. Jesus wept over the effect that sin had on his beloved Jerusalem and the rift that sin created between God's people and himself. Luke 19:41 through 42 tells us, And when Jesus drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. But, you know, interestingly, both Luke and Matthew show us an instance of Jesus's sorrow over sin immediately preceding or followed by an instance of Jesus' anger over sin. The passage about Jesus weeping over Jerusalem in in Luke 19 is immediately followed by the story of Jesus driving the money changers out of the temple in godly anger and zeal for God's house. And then in Matthew 23, Jesus, in righteous anger, pronounces the seven scathing woes on the scribes and Pharisees for 36 verses of that chapter. But then in the last three verses of the chapter, he pivots to a lament and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. 
As Jesus shows us, sadness and anger are both biblical responses to sin. It's fine to feel sad for the people who innocently suffer as a result of someone else's sin. It's godly to grieve over the general effects and the the ultimate consequences of sin. But don't stop there. We should also be angry at sin and at those who blaspheme the name of God and harm others by committing sin. The biblical instances of God being angry over sin and those who perpetrate it far outnumber the instances of God grieving over the effects of sin. Sadness is good, but it shouldn't replace godly anger towards sin. And up until now, we've mostly been looking at the emotion of anger, but the emotion of anger usually leads to action. And the fact that, you know, the emotion usually leads to action doesn't mean that the emotion always should lead to action, you know, that sometimes it shouldn't lead to any action at all. Sometimes it shouldn't lead to action right away, and sometimes it shouldn't lead to action from you, but a more appropriate person. But most of the time, if you're experiencing righteous righteous anger over the right things, that uh, godly anger should motivate you to take godly action using godly methods, right? And uh, one of those godly methods is understanding the differences between letting the wild stallion of anger tear madly around the corral and putting a bit and bridle in its mouth to harness and guide all of that energy into plowing a field or pulling a wagon. So venting your anger to a friend, you know, that might make you feel better temporarily, but it really does nothing to fix the problems created by the sin that you're angry about. Instead, harness your anger with the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 23. Many of you have this one memorized, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And here are a couple more great passages for harnessing your anger in a more fruitful way. 2 Timothy 2.24-26 says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. And Ephesians 4.26-27 through 27 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Once you've harnessed your anger biblically, you can use that anger as a tool to energize and motivate you to help the victims of sin, call the sinner to repentance, set up a plan to prevent this sin from happening again, and repair the damage done by sin. Yeah, you sure can. Listeners, how often do you become righteously angry over sin? When you hear a false teacher twist God's word, do you blow it off as no big deal? Does it phase you at all when church members refuse to submit to your pastor's biblical leadership? Do you lend an ear when your best friend verbally eviscerates her godly husband to you? Listen, there are things worth getting angry about. Righteous anger is not a bad, unloving, or unladylike thing. If someone intentionally hurt your child, you would come unglued because you love him so much. So what does it say about our love for the Lord when we defend people who mock him? 
or give the benefit of the doubt to those who defame him, or yawn apathetically when people rebel against Christ and his word. When someone blasphemes the name of the holy God of the universe, the Savior who willingly endured the cross for your sin, why wouldn't you get angry about that? When someone attacks, betrays, or perpetrates evil upon a fellow image bearer, especially if that person is a brother or sister in Christ, you are right to be angry at both the sin and the sinner. Anger over sin and evil is good and holy. God exhibits anger over sin and and evil, and we as his image bearers should share his indignation. When Christians are angry over the right things and use that anger to fuel a godly response to sin, it makes the church more biblically healthy and grows it to greater Christ-likeness. Amen to that. Well, ladies, that's going to wrap things up for another episode of A Word Fitly Spoken. Have you ever experienced godly anger and expressed it in a godly way? We'd love to hear about it. Leave a comment on our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram page, or your favorite podcast platform, or on our website, awordfitlyspoken.life. And uh, while you're at our website, you can share the gospel by sharing our good news page with your friends and you can support us financially too via PayPal or Patreon and learn how you can book us to speak at your next women's event and check out all the other resources too. And until next time, be angry and do not sin and walk worthy. 